Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guest or host of any hat color, welcome back to Westworld Weekly, a host and guest guide to the park and general AI revolt. I'm your host, Beef, and this week we have no guests in the park. Welcome back, everybody. This week we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 6, The Adversary. Uh, this podcast is going to be a little more stream of consciousness and going to follow straight along with the episode since I don't really have to jump around a lot and try to catch up with all the different storylines. Right away, the show opens up with Maeve waking up and we follow her walking through her morning routine. I'd noticed on third rewatch that that is the same nightgown that she rolls around with Felix in quote unquote the real world later on. But she gets into work and she finds Clementine all sleepy with the bedhead, and that is really hot. I'm just just saying. But apparently it was from talking all night, yet Clementine's so good at satisfying people, even her talking gets her paid. You can see Maeve's motherly tendencies to Clementine and the girls of the club. Then the dude walks in, the rough newcomer that Clementine is going to take, but Maeve snags him away from her. Well, Maeve snags him away and takes him upstairs. But it's for the exact purpose of ridiculing him and telling him that he's built big all over, but not where it counts. And she pulls his hands up to her throat. And I thought, oh, she's just going to be into a little choke play. And she basically wants him to kill her. So this dude chokes her to death and she wakes up on the table. Now I have some questions about this. Does it take her a little while to wake up or can she wake up instantly? If she wakes up instantly, then that gives like weight to the hollow deck idea because she died and then she opened her eyes. I think that could just be editing. She died, the guys dragged her body out of there, and then she woke up on the table. But that's still neither here nor there. We don't know yet. Uh, we'll move on to Elise and Bernard. They have their chat. Is the glass half empty or half full? We're engineers. The glass has been manufactured to the wrong specifications. I think that is such a great and cool little line for them. Then they proceed to talk about the global positioning satellites of the old hosts were different. It was a different program. So Bernard would have to go down to sub-level 82, the restricted area, to use the old software to figure it out. But again, if it's global positioning satellites, why would they have to have positioning on these hosts if it was in a holodeck? If they're in a holodeck, they just have to check the digital logs and figure out where these hosts were. And if it's in a holodeck, why he's trying to aim up to the stars to send a signal out? I don't know. Screw that theory for now. Bernard's down in the basement, or wherever the hell he is, and he fires up that PC. And that PC has an old login and boot user ID, and it's the quote-unquote old Westworld login, uh, or Westworld logo, I should say. Then right next to it, he slides his new tablet up to it, and if you look closely, that has a Delos logo on it which is supposedly the company that bought out the park later in its life. So this whole double timeline at the same time theory is really starting to piss me off because now I'm seeing stuff everywhere. The only thing yet, though, that does not make this a plausible theory is the fact that the blonde security dude told the robot wrangler to go check on the William Logan and Dolores storyline. But then again, of course, he may be a robot himself or a host himself. Down on level 82, Bernard gets all sciency and fixes stuff. He finds five additional anomalies, five other hosts that are not registered with the new system somewhere in section 17. Uh, we cut to another town. Ford freezes the whole town to discuss the project. He doesn't know if he wants to be more disruptive for the day. And I don't, I think he genuinely cares for these things in his own way. 
I think he realizes he's displacing a lot of the stuff he has built and a lot of these, you know, quote unquote creatures or whatnot have to find their own way. And he, I think he feels concerned, but I could be completely wrong about that. Walking through the town, he finds the maze carved into the table. I have no idea what that means. I don't know if that's Arnold taunting him, but shortly thereafter, he heads back into his office and he looks around and finds a book with early sketches of Dolores and what looks to be like clockwork robots and uh, sketching of the maze. All right, we're going to pop over to Teddy and the Man in Black. The Man in Black asks Teddy what the maze is, and he says it's an old native myth. The maze itself is the sum of a man's life, choices he makes, dreams he hangs on to, and there at the center it is a legendary man who has been killed over and over again, countless times, but always clawed his way back to life. He returned for the last time and vanquished all his oppressors in a tireless fury. Built a house, around that house he built a maze so complicated, only he could navigate through it. I reckoned he'd seen enough fighting. Ah, there's so much in there, I don't even know where to go with it. Is he saying that Arnold maybe built was a robot and built a maze, and then the world is the maze, and then, or the world is the, I don't know. At first I thought he was talking about Teddy or a different robot that built a maze, because who dies many, many times and comes back to life. I don't know. It's a lot to chew on, but it, there is something more there. There is something deeper, because especially if it's a myth and legend that is floating around in the land, it's some bit of programming, ghost in the machine or whatever, that Arnold set up. Something else that struck me. What if Arnold is maybe a split personality of Ford? What if somehow they're split off? I, I know that's not true, because how do you kill part of your split personality? But that's a theory that I had. Also, something, too, we'll get to later, but I think maybe... Teddy and Wyatt are a split personality. I'll touch on that again a little bit later. Maven Felix again. You know, you don't have a choice. You play hard to get. He is basically explaining her whole existence to her, how she was programmed. Uh, They talk about, yeah, I'm human like the guests. I just don't have the money. Uh, She asks him, how do you know? That is a great question. That is a great question to ask, especially in a show like this, because you have no idea what's really going on. He comes back with, I know. Because I was born, you were made. But how does he not know, or how does he know that those aren't implanted thoughts in his own mind? Maeve pulls his gloves off and touches his hands and says, We feel the same. He comes back with, We are the same these days for the most part. One big difference, though, the processing power in here is way beyond what we have. And he points to her brain. One drawback, though, you're under our control. Again, very ominous thing. It's if these creatures... AI were unleashed to their full potential, they would own us, just like real AI would in a split second. They would pass us. Well, still, Maeve is not believing this, so Felix pulls out the tablet to show her speech and vocabulary in the the vocabulary tree, and she flakes and glitches out and freezes, basically blue screens of death on him. Uh, It was a cool scene, again, to see her face contorting and making it look like something isn't going right, and then just locking up. Uh, We pop over by Teresa and Bernard, Uh, They're consenting adults, but she dumps his ass because obviously something is going on bigger than that. Right away, we get back to Felix. Try, try, try. Tries to get her back online, and finally she boots up. She finishes her thought before of, you said upstairs, we need to go upstairs. Again, they cut to her back in that nighty from the opening shot, the black and red one. And they go upstairs for this horrified scene of her just walking around. Uh, The orchestra playing, that is pretty sweet. I think it's Radiohead's. Uh, motion picture soundtrack but i am not for sure she walks through this house of horrors basically and sees the dead room where she saw teddy organs and eyes being made and carried around 
3D printed hosts in the rings, the pre-post skin, uh, the life-giving blood gel insertions. So you see them actually getting color and coming to life. Then the next stages of animals and whatnot walking around. It's cool to see the setups and whatnot. You can see them testing everyone from the people making out to the gunslayers playing poker and doing the setup fights. But you can see as she walks around and is slowly soaking all this in, the best shots from this are when they focus on Thandie Newton's face. You can see her start to freak out and, I don't know, just the way she makes her eyes wide and the way she makes it more believable and real. This is this is her life that she sees around her and it is all in a glass case. It's basically on display and she's just starting to understand how fake it all is. They go up another level up into design and they see the quote-unquote new Westworld logo in the background and underneath it it says Adelos Destination. Mav sees Clementine and quote-unquote her dreams on the big screen and we also see the blonde host from the uh, Logan and Williams storyline. The one that was William's greeter. But again, Maeve freaks out a bit and they end up back in the ex- the examination room. And she starts to finally believe only because he explains all the different builds, all of the different narratives that she's been in. So those are what her dreams are. Yet she shouldn't remember any of them. Those should still be wiped. Now Felix's blonde co-worker douche buddy comes in and threatens to turn Felix in. Well, Maeve grabs a scalpel and the dude and threatens to spill his guts like a trout and all other nice descriptors. She says something like, I know you want to fuck me over the first chance you get. But they come to some uneasy sort of standoff. Now we pop up top poolside by the douchey narrative, head of narrative guy. And he just, uh, apparently he's calling in sick because he's whining about Ford's destroying his narrative. So he just wants to get drunk and be an ass. Teresa comes up and the narrative guy says, keep pushing me and I'll quit. She says, no, you won't. You'll drink your cocktails. You'll make your idle threats and then you'll move on. And that's pretty much what he plans on doing. Back to the Teddy and Man in Black storyline. They're still ramping around just trying to make their way over the border. And they come to all these soldiers. And Teddy just wants to go shoot them all. Man in Black kind of laughs and says, Robert must have given you some extra vinegar and taken away some of your scents. But again, it's for Dolores, so he will do whatever he can for her. Whiny narrative guy sees a really hot chick in a black bikini, and he goes up and tries to flirt with her and asks her about what is her favorite narrative. Come on, dude, that's just lame. But Teresa cuts his bar tab off and sends him a message saying, tortured artists only work for artists. Sober up and get back to work. We cut to Bernard coming back into the security office and asking about Section 17, and they say, you know, no guests or hosts have been there. It's designated off-limits for future narrative development. Uh, No technicians have even been out there. So then you cut to Bernard coming up in the elevator, which I love. I love the elevators are anywhere, basically, in the park, and they'll just pop up, which is super sweet. Finds the old house with, you know, the old people in it right away, old robots. And he asks instantly, are you Arnold? Who's Arnold? And the old robot runs up and grabs Bernard. And as soon as they kind of move a touch, Ford is there. I mean, he like materializes or just appears. You don't see him appear. You don't see him materialize. But he's just poof there. Holodeck evidence? I don't know. But oh, unless he's hiding in the wall right behind him, something is weird. Um, You know, it's, I don't know. They go on to describe, though, that they're, you know, ghosts of survivors of the wreck of time, first generation. The kid opens his face, turn the other cheek. 
it's so awesome and robotic. It's nice to just see that they still have that at the park, and it's cool that they kind of give a throwback because they're basically clones now. Ford says, What our newer designs gain in efficiency they lost in grace. Bernard also goes on to ask, uh, How are they still operating after all this time? I maintain them myself, Ford replies. Which is kind of cool to know that he has so much love and care for these original creations because apparently these are the last ones that Arnold made. The last robots that Arnold made. And he Ford made them just for him because Ford described a childhood vacation to him and this was built for him as a gift. There's a line Ford says, though, about Arnold always says the great artists always hid themselves in their work. So is Ford here visiting all the time because he's still looking for Arnold in there? I like that Ford tweaked the presents from Arnold and gave his dad drinking habits and a temper. Ford also asks Bernard when Bernard is clearly shaken by this. He says, if you could only see your son again, Bernard, wouldn't you? Uh, that feel, felt really heavy and weighted. Like, does Ford have a Bernard's son ready to go and, you know, pop out at any time if he wants him? I don't know. It's just weird. And we cut back to the security room and you got the blonde security guy who may be a robot roaming around. And all of a sudden, narrative douche starts pissing on the interactive map from the second level. Teresa comes up behind him, and every time I've watched this episode, I really wanted her to shove him off right there. But, douchey guy, this is Charlotte Hale, executive director of Delos Board and Hotness. You know, and then she looks at his tiny little penis and says something along the lines of, you know, oh, we've met. Great little line. All right, 82 first-generation hosts left in the park. 47 of those designed by Arnold. Yet, Ford told Dolores, sorry, but there's no one left who was there. No one who else understands as we understand. From the couple episodes ago when he got her from the Death Day Parade or whatnot. There's no one else left who was there. No one else who understands as we understand. This kind of leads me to believe that Dolores killed Arnold or something like that. Maybe Ford asked or made her to do it. They were all together when Arnold died and Ford didn't help or allow Dolores to help. It's something like that. There's something... They were all on site, some shit went down, and I don't know. That That is my weird theory for this week, I think. I think that is, they were there, because there are all these other hosts that were designed by Arnold still at the park, so that isn't what he meant 35 years ago when he died. You're the last one left. Anyways, that's just, ah. All right, Teddy and Man in Black, they have the maze branding iron, and then as they talk about Teddy, you're a killer, you rode with Wyatt, all of a sudden he kind of flashes back and remembers him shooting a bunch of dudes in the street with Wyatt. I don't know. Then right away he gets up and proceeds to get on the Gatling gun and just mow down a whole regiment of soldiers. Is Teddy like a Wyatt and himself personality split, i.e. Fight Club? Even the man in black says, you think you know someone in total disbelief. Elise comes up with the fact that it's a Delos satellite and goes out into the park to find the transmitter. I guess apparently they're using the old bisemoral mind transmitter to reprogram and update these hosts. She enters a old theater looking for this transmitter, and she gets kind of like, once she finds it, there's this large info dump or potential info dump. So it's like, oh, my God, she's going to die. I know she's going to die. I don't think they can kill her yet. Back to Ford and young Ford. I like the fact that it is a younger version of himself, and that is his whole family and that dog made there. That was good thoughts by pretty much everyone on the planet when they said that. But old Ford shows up to play catch with young Ford, and they go to find the dog dead. So all I can really say is, sorry, Sean, uh, they did kill a dog. 
They didn't show it, but the dog is dead. It's a robot, though, so they can bring it back. Bernard goes and knocks on Teresa's door after their breakup, and she's all pissy that he's there at night. But he's come to tell her about Ford and Ford's family. And she's apparently still afraid that he's found out about the data leak. Well, he gets a call from Elise, and Elise just blurts out, Don't hang up. It was Teresa. Well, he stops the convo, and he calls her back when he gets out in the hallway. Teresa used a system to reprogram the woodcutter, but someone else has been using it to retask hosts, older models. Apparently, they're changing loops, breaking loops. Some changes have even made to their prime directive. They could lie to us. They could maybe even hurt us or the guests. Bernard asks who did it. Elise comes back with, best I can tell, Arnold. Whatever your argument he was having with Ford, it doesn't seem like he was done making his point. Again, such a great line because there is this ghost in the machine that is doing all this. Or maybe it is a person, or maybe it is a machine. Oh, God. We pop back to Felix and Maeve, and she's looking at the baselines for her code, her attribute matrix. Her overall intelligence is a 14. That's as high as they will let any host go. That's that's a weighty statement, too, because that means that they keep them stunted so they can't become smarter than anybody at such a low level. Uh, the blonde douchey butcher guy was whoring out the hosts, basically waking them up so that he could get money off his coworkers and then wiping their minds and putting the hosts back to sleep. So he was able to hack into her uh, attribute matrix and they were able to tweak it. Once they get in there and start screwing around with her attributes, she drops her loyalty and ups her pain threshold the pain threshold is in case she wants to have any more quote-unquote visits or chats like this. Then they realize that the attributes have been changed by someone with a fuck ton more permissions than me, so we know that isn't going to be good because that's most likely Arnold or Arnold's ghost or Ford or someone is dabbling in her mind already, which means that they're going to find out about it. Then she kind of grins and bumps up her bulk of perception, which is her basically total intelligence all the way up to the top. Please. You can almost see it flow through her body. And she's like, dear boys, we're going to have some fun, aren't we? Other quick little hit and runs of note, Ford and the younger Ford, about the dog. Old Ford asks younger Ford, are you lying? Right away he says, yes, I killed it. Someone told me to. Put it out of its misery. A voice? Whose voice? Arnold's voice? If it was dead, it couldn't hurt anything anymore. So now I'm starting to think, seriously, Ford killed Arnold. Just the way, I don't know, he seemed upset by that and hurt by that, that Young himself killed the dog just so it couldn't hurt anymore. And that makes me think that somehow old Ford killed Arnold for whatever reason that may have been, whether he didn't want him to create anymore, whether he didn't want him to, quote-unquote, hurt the hosts anymore by giving them consciousness because they knew he knew that it would hurt them because he didn't realize how depraved the park would be i don't know We got a couple listener letters. Uh, I really do appreciate the letters. And anyone, if you have time and you want to send in thoughts, theories, or just bitch at me, feel free. I will get it online. First one comes from Jake. Jake just has some episode notes, no real thoughts or theories. He just noticed the symbolism of the piano in the opening scene, where after a few seconds it starts to play itself. Uh, I actually just noticed that too this episode. I'd really like to go back and put all of these together and see because... I think it was Andy last week said, has anyone put all of the 
shots of Dolores waking up in bed together side by side. I think it'd be cool to put all of the opening scenes together side by side. Because I think sometimes it's a man in the ring, the 3D printed man. Sometimes it's a woman. Sometimes they're there. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're standing. Sometimes the piano plays itself. I don't know. I think they're all slightly different. Uh, What's with the twitchy basement level 82? Are they continuously adding floors on top? I have no idea. I know this. someone said this could be a post-apocalyptic world and they're digging deeper. But then why are the older floors on the bottom so bombed out and depleted? Company politics. What's going on outside the world? Why is the company so worried about Ford? I have no idea. But they did send the hot new executive in. And you're right. She is totally hot. I like your comment here. Talk about pissing away your job. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's going to lose his job though. I think he still has it. He just has to uh, you know, rein it back in and not be an idiot. I like your question here. Who's fucking the system? Arnold. Yeah, is he is it from beyond the grave? Is he still living in the park somehow? Did he upload his consciousness into the maze and that's how he will help give people consciousness? Uh Jake goes on to say, there's no way the cute programmer doesn't get dead out there by herself. I totally thought that, sir, too. And he follows it up with, yep, she's dead. Jake's last thought is something I can get behind as well. Maeve is going to be a bad bitch. Because, yeah, most certainly she's going to be like the one. She's going to be like the matrix of this world. Maybe not completely, but most certainly partially. With that much intelligence and that much free reign and will now, her and Dolores shall make it work. All right, this next letter comes from a buddy of mine that I work with. We shall call him Sack. All right, he goes to say, time and location. Who's to say this isn't Earth in 200 years after we've begun to colonize the solar system and are repurposing the Earth? Ah, I can chew on that. Was there a post-apocalyptic? Well, it would be. But was there like an event on Earth that, you know, got everybody off? Or is this just, are we coming back because it's better to live there now? Or we're just using it again because why not send people there and make 40 grand a day off each one of them? Sack goes on to comment about the man in black. Going with the widely accepted theory he is William, they are talking about the park hemorrhaging money, so I can only imagine this would be the initial startup of the park. I can kind of see that part, or maybe the park hit hard times. I don't know if it's the first initial startup because, uh, what's his face? Logan has been there a handful of times. He's been there, he's played the game. He's been there enough to know what parts of it he likes and he doesn't like. Sack goes on to say, the only thing that messes up the timeline theory is Dolores is already tweaking with young William. I think what Sack means is that they're already hitting it off. So why would later in life he be the man in black and slaughter her? Or maybe he is just reprogramming her and he's not raping her. Also, he says, if William's foundation cured all the diseases worldwide, he'd have enough money to be running around for 34 years or enough to be an investor. I definitely see that. I think if this is a weird, weird timeline thing, what's going to happen is because Logan ripped the shit out of William so bad about you're never a threat to anyone, you'll never be a threat to me, that's exactly why my sister picked you, then we are watching this. Logan takes over the family company, which buys out Westworld, cures most of the diseases, and then Logan dies or something. His sister gets it and his sister dies or something like that. William takes it over because of all that. Or he just does succeed and passes all of them up. But I still think it's 
the other family's company. I think it's the family he's marrying into's company, Logan's company. But I do like those theories on that. I just, I still don't know. I mean, you're right. She would know William later in life unless her memories are still getting wiped. Uh, hosts, Bernard for sure. Maybe the security guy, which you already alluded to. I don't know if Bernard's a host. I Fuck, I don't know. Unless he's a host that doesn't know he's a host that has underlying programming or code from Arnold so that Ford could keep going on and creating these robots and shit with a bit of Arnold but not completely Arnold. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I still really like the security guys uh, one. I mean, it has to be if this is a double timeline. That is the only piece that hangs it up right now that I've seen. Sack goes on to say, I read something saying, what if in Westworld guests were actually killed sometimes and replaced with identical hosts? Yeah, that is, uh, that's pretty fucked up. But again, if it's nowadays and they're not robotic bits and they're actually blood and flesh, you wouldn't really be able to tell. He goes on to ask, I'd like to know also how do guests avoid conflict with other guests? If I went there, I'd be so out of control. So is there any way to segregate them? To tip them off so you don't shoot random people or avoid sexual assault? I don't think they have a warning that says any of that, but maybe. I mean, the only way Logan was going to do it was just try to shoot someone in the back of the head and see if that worked. Sack's final thought goes on to say, I think the end game for Robert Ford is probably to extend his own consciousness past his own life cycle and find out if Arnold figured out how to do it before his untimely demise. I like that too. I'm pretty sure he is trying to, like he said, maybe one day we'll even cheat death. I wouldn't mind to see it. I wouldn't mind to see if he can somehow input his thoughts and whatnot into a host and live forever. I mean, that's basically the next step. If you can upload consciousness into a host, you can rebuild or reprint every night. What the hell is stopping you from living forever? Thank you everybody for your emails. Thank you, Jake and Sack. I appreciate anything and everything I get. Thank you, everybody, for listening. There is a new episode next week, but I will not be able to watch it as I will be on vacation. But as soon as I get back, I will mainline it a few times, and I will put my thoughts and theories out there. If you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email to westworldweekly at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at westworldweekly. You can also find this website at westworldweekly.com. Thanks again for listening. We will see you next week where we will try to muddle through this park and stay ahead of the inevitable AI revolt.